Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help visionary business leaders to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and fantastic business partner, Al McDonald. Al, Podcast Friday, how's your day going? Always an exciting day, always a fun day. And of course, the fact that it's Friday, looking forward to the weekend, hopefully getting out on the bike and having some fun. Yeah, no kidding. I've got yard work planned out and uh, I'm actually looking forward to it after. Uh, after that doesn't winter. sound like fun. Well, yeah, it'll be fun for about 20 minutes, I'm sure, until my, my lower back starts aching on me. So I'll be paying for that later. Well, I'm excited about today's guest. In fact, we were introduced to this guest by our good friend, Joanna Kimich. And I know Joanna listens to the show. So shout out to Joanna. But we're welcoming Lorena Scott, who is a people and culture leader, a scale-up advisor, and a reformed investor turned operator. Welcome to the show, Lorena. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Well, I've introduced a lot of people on the show. I think we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 episodes now. And I always get people's bio because I want to know the background. And that's what I've never heard. Reformed investor turned operator. Like That sounds like there's a real story there. So I thought... Maybe that would be a good place for us to start and maybe give us the Reader's Digest version of your background and take us maybe up to speed about how you ended up where you are today. Sure. So the story on reformed investor turned operator is I I studied entrepreneurship in undergrad. My father is an entrepreneur. He's always thinking of business ideas and he's quite inspiring in, in that sense. And I went to school thinking that I would have this brilliant idea and I didn't upon graduation. So instead I wanted to live in New York and and so moved there and became an investment banker and then an early stage and later stage and corporate investor at different points in time throughout my early start of my career. And then I got this brilliant idea or I thought was a brilliant idea and started a business. And I remember the moment where I could look back and I had evaluated business that businesses that had about a million dollars in revenue and thought, oh, that's no big deal. And then the first sale of the product that I built was for $35 Canadian. And I remember the joy of, of having $35 Canadian business and appreciation for the first time of what truly it takes to build a business. And so that is why the tagline there exists that, you know, reformed investors, you don't really have an appreciation for the grit, the hunger, all of the creativity involved in getting a dollar of revenue, let alone a million dollars of revenue. And so long way of saying, start off my career in in financial services and and stumbled my way into being an operator and have never looked back and, you know, was a a founder of a business. And then I moved into more operating senior roles as an operator at various um, kind of called series A to series D businesses. And and most recently a private equity backed business as well. So much later stage. Very cool. And I think you're speaking about things that are going to resonate with a lot of people who listen to the show. 
I still get the comments from friends, you know, you get together, you haven't seen since high school or university and, and, you know, they see the, the success of the business now and they say, Oh, you're so lucky. And, you know, you think, well, maybe luck is part of it, but there's so much hard work that goes involved and there's so much frustration. And, you know, sometimes we ask if you'd known back then what you know now, would you have still gone down this path? And, and it, depending on the day is, you know, depends on how I answer that question, because there's so many things that you don't know. And I mean, I would say for me to this day, because you talked about it, getting that first sale. And I remember my first sale, the first time a client said yes to implementing that plan. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Lorena, but for me, I thought eventually the thrill of that would go away. I love getting that yes now, right? And then I don't know if it's, yes, you're trying to build your company. Yes, you're trying to drive revenue, but it's almost someone is saying yes to you and they have confidence in you and you've brought something to the table that there's value. So, you know, there's probably some ego, you know, someone could say psychoanalyze that, but there's, you know, there's ego I'm sure there, but, you know, I think a lot of us can relate to getting that first sale and it, it keeps you going or it doesn't keep you going, you know, in your case, like you said, you had pulled out of that business. So I think that's some great insights there. Pulling out of the business was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in part because it was accepting failure. But to your point, there was tremendous amount of learnings in that failure, probably more so than many of the successes that I've had. And one of those was a lot of people saying yes, but just the act of asking Right. There were brand partners. The business required a lot of brands to come together and, and supply product and being bold and, and courageous to ask these brands to partner with this little company with a big heart. And that taught me a lot that you don't really know until you ask. And the worst somebody can say is no. Well, I think when we first spoke, I think you had talked about how you ended up in New York and it was basically reaching out for help. And you and I had a good chat around that. And it's interesting because I thought about that after, and it's how I came to meet you. We had such a fantastic episode with Joanna being on the podcast. And we came out of that thinking, oh my gosh, not only did her episode resonate with people, I found out that people were connecting with her outside of the podcast. And I thought that was very rewarding for me. And I thought that was really exciting. But I, you know, we came out of that episode and I thought, how can I meet more people like this? And Joanna had just become a guest. I didn't know her that well. But I thought, I'm going to take a chance because someone like that probably knows other really cool people with cool stories as well. And of course, now that I asked, here we are meeting you and and we're establishing a relationship as well. So I think you're right. Being able to be bold and ask those questions or ask for help, that's looking back on my career. And I think you probably say the same. No, that's some advice I would give to people. Don't be afraid. I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say no. And then you move on. Who cares, right? And I always say, I'd rather get the, you know, the red cheeks from being embarrassed than not take that shot and then wonder what would have happened if, right? Yeah. I'm trying to pass that on to my children right now. Not so successfully, but I'm trying to hammer that in. One of the things I always say is failing doesn't make you a failure. And if you don't fail once in a while, you're probably not trying hard enough stuff. So, you know, that's the way you learn. And you mentioned that you probably learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. I want to ask a question and, you know, you talked about, you know, moving on to some different stages in your life. How do you generate new ideas and and the goals that you want to hit? Like where, where does that inspiration come from and where do you come up with those ideas? The inspiration to try new things, I would characterize myself as a, a curious person and also a masochist. I like to put myself in uncomfortable positions. Most of the roles that I've taken have been 
net new, whether it's a different function, different industry, different stage. And so that that's what drives me is that learning piece, but also the ability to have a lot of impact along the way. And so generally I found that that tends to align with doing things that are outside my comfort zone. And then I get to learn a lot. I get to be creative because they don't come from those industries or those stages. And I, I have fresh ideas and I'm able to, to bring those to bear. And that's sort of been my playbook. And I really enjoy learning. And I'm, I'm very proud of, of that kind of curiosity kind of leading my career and taking me to places I never, never expected candidly. From what you just said, and you mentioned that you quite often are in new spaces and you're bringing new ideas, but you don't have the background. That probably means that you got to be a little bit resilient because you probably are going to fail without some of the background. Would that be true? I think resilience is certainly a component, but I also think that humility is an important part of it too. So as, as an example, when I transitioned out of my startup and closed that down, I went into the offices of another Toronto-based startup and there was an opportunity to take on operations of an organization. And one of the functions was people. I had never, other than this five-person team that was a part of my startup, I had never managed a soul in my life. So I Googled how to terminate somebody with empathy. And generally, the people leader doesn't do that. And so I was very candid about what I could do and what I couldn't do and what I was going to learn to do and hopefully do so with excellence. But I, you know, I raised my hand a lot. I told people candidly where this was unknown territory for me and where we could walk together as opposed to me leading because I just didn't have all the answers. You talked about being curious and you said you're a curious person. In the space that you're in now or any space that you've worked in, what are you most curious about? And that could be for life. And, you know, as a follow-up, why are you curious about that? Because I'm curious to know. <laughs> <laughs> So many things I'm currently curious about. I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading right now on workplace strategies and norms and this post-COVID world. So there's debate on return to office and distributed teams and just how the world will work together professionally, given how businesses did operate during a pandemic and, and even post-pandemic. So I'm super curious about like workplace strategy right now and, and try to read what other organizations are doing and get some ideas generated. That's in the professional context. There's a lot of curiosity there, as well as even just how to enable great teams. I think when you don't have the physicality of being creative together and brainstorming together and innovating together, particularly technology companies, like how do you do that as a distributed team? And what are the right strategies? Definitely curious about that. And I think that the beauty of these two examples I've given you is that there's no right answer. And so you can kind of just continue to learn and ask a lot of questions and figure out over time kind of what, you know, I want to put in practice in the organizations I'm a part of and so forth. So those are two right now, but I think the, the beauty of the roles I've had more recently around people and culture is that it's not like a financial model. It's not like coding. There's not sort of one right answer. There's so many and it's always evolving. So I, I do love that component of it is that people are always evolving and how you enable great teams is is definitely a work in progress. It's never static. Yeah. And talk about evolving. I mean, over the last two years, we were recording an episode today with a technology firm. And uh, as you mentioned, and the CEO was talking about just that, you know, they've gone from having this awesome space in downtown Toronto where everybody interacted to going full remote to 
some people saying, I want to come to the office, most of them not wanting to come out of the office. So how do you recreate the culture that they were known for in the industry on a distributed basis? And, and he had mentioned they had hired uh, employees in Brazil who are doing a fantastic job for them, have moved up in the organization. But how do you make sure people like this feel included as part of the team when maybe they're holding local events or or North American events when these people are out in Brazil. So, you know, one of the things that he said, you just have to be able to think differently. And for our listeners who I think most of the people would know where the title for this series comes from, Successfully Excludes, I used to steal my brother's Tony Robbins tapes. And Successfully Excludes was if you want to be successful in a certain space, follow people who are already successful in that space, model their behaviors, their beliefs, and you'll reap similar rewards. And I think having these conversations is very important. And when you talk about curiosity and asking those questions. Another thing I'd learned from those Tony Robbins tapes years ago was your mind will always provide answers. And if you ask questions enough times, you'll eventually get an answer. And if you're not getting an answer, then ask the question in a different way. And if you're still not getting an answer, ask it a different way. So I think from what I've seen with successful people that I've chatted with, they won't take no for an answer. So if they're not getting an answer, they'll reach out to someone else. If they're still not getting the answer, they'll reach out to someone else. You know, we'll have conversations on a podcast. You'll read books. So I think that's a really valuable skill. And especially if we're looking at younger leaders coming into organizations, that's something that I would encourage people to do. And, you know, exactly what you're doing, reading books, getting ideas. And I mean, I'm an audible fan because I can listen to those while I'm driving or while I'm th- and. You know, the the point of reading a book isn't necessarily to say, well, I want to know everything about what this author has to say, but if I can pick something up that'll drive some inspiration or drive an idea or drive another conversation with someone like yourself, then that's successful, right? So I think when we look at the future of work and the future of leadership, I think being curious is going to be recognized as a very important skill that organizations are going to look for when they're putting people in place to, because Lorena, you just said it. There's no playbook for this, right? We, do, we don't know what the right answer is. So I think you're right. There's just a time to ask a lot of questions and figure out what's going to work. And maybe we make some mistakes along the way, but hopefully through conversations like this, people get a sense of, ah, I didn't think of that. Maybe that's something that we can approach as well. So I think that's really great insights on your part. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's a lot of reading, but I also believe there's a lot of listening to your point and, and, and seeking out people who you admire or companies that you admire and starting those conversations to, to understand the motivators, to understand how they're, you know, how they're thinking about problem solving as well. And I love conversations generally, and you just don't know where they'll take you and, and what, whether it's the learnings or even just the, the friendships that form as a result of those, those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Lorena, you had, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times now, diving into new projects, uh, new situations where you, you maybe didn't have the background. You mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm suddenly managing people. I've never managed people before. That's new. So going into a lot of situations where maybe you didn't necessarily feel you had the background, but looking back, is there anything that you wish you had known now in hindsight, you know, when you started some of these things? I'm struggling with that one a little bit because I think there's a gift in, in not knowing, right? And just kind of charging forward and not being afraid of the unknown. Whereas certainly if I were to go back in time, I know the missteps and I might have been more cautious. And I think that boldness has served me well. The one thing I would, I would almost do the opposite. I would encourage myself to be more outspoken, more bold, have more confidence in myself. 
in the early days and even until very recently probably suffered from a lot of imposter syndrome because I wasn't an experienced person in the fields that I was going into were the sectors. And I think if I had more confidence that I was trying to do the right thing, that I would figure it out, that I had some of those elements that we've talked a little bit about, whether it's curiosity or resilience, that it would all be okay. I probably would have been bolder and and more directive. Confidence is one of those things that you get with time. And uh, I just wish I had more of it earlier on. You mentioned, I think a lot of business owners looking back, had they known what they know at the end, they probably never would have gone into business because they would have realized, you know, all the pitfalls and all the hardships. So sometimes naivety is a <laughs> an important trait. I mean, I started my business, I founded my company when I had a six week old son and a two year old older son. And everyone told me I was crazy, but I didn't know how crazy a startup would be. So I thought, well, I have two kids under two and they're both boys. How crazy could this really be? Yeah, it was how hard insane. could it be? It was, it was insane. And I probably would not do it again because I know how insane it was to have done that journey, but I wouldn't take it back. I mean, I wouldn't have founded the company. I wouldn't have failed. I wouldn't have gone down a path of working with startups and scale-ups and my whole professional career would be so different. So Al, you, you were leading up to my next question and, and we were talking about, you know, obstacles. We all face them in the business, right? In your career, in your personal life. And, and you, and you can choose here, Lorena, What's the biggest obstacle you faced and what did that mean to you? And I mean, you can, you can talk about personal, you can talk about business, it's whatever you think had an impact on your life and, and where you are today. I think for me, it does come in a bit of the mix of the personal with the professional. My professional career has been incredibly important to me since I left university and investing in that has been a big part of, of my life. But I also have three children, an incredible husband and amazing network of friends. And so trying to balance the two and be great in both is incredibly challenging. And I'm sure a number of women who have joined this podcast and had the opportunity to speak will share that sentiment of that struggle of of trying to to do both really well and often feeling like you're failing at, at both. And I'm also fortunate that I have a great partner in crime who is incredibly supportive of my professional ambitions, but also knows how important the family is to me. But I don't have a great solution other than I've just learned to intertwine the two a lot (laughs) as much as possible and not try to sort of create this wall between who I am at work and who I am at home, particularly since work and home right now are the same location. But that is a struggle for me every day. And I don't know that that kind of ever will go away. I'll never stop being a mom. <laughs> and I, you know, I think I'll be working until the day I die because I do love the work quite a bit. That's awesome to hear. Now, we've introduced something fairly new to the podcast and it's Al's signature question. And it's one of my favorite questions. I was so glad that Al took the opportunity and was bold and said, hey, what do you think about this? And I think it's such a great question. And I think you know it gives it gives meaning to kind of what we do. And I mean, Al and I can give examples of, of stuff that, you know, we both do that we think is, is going to, you know, uh, live beyond us. And uh, it's part of the reason why we do what we do. So Al, with that, I'll let you take it away because I think it's a great question to ponder for our audience. Even if you're not a, a guest here sitting, giving us an answer, I think it's something uh, all of us, it's, it's worthwhile, you know, thinking about it at least. Perfect. So here we go. There's a saying, that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. 
So can you talk a little bit about any of those proverbial trees that you're planting and how it's going to benefit others, but maybe not you? I thought about this one. For those listening, I did get preempted on this one and I wanted to spend some time reflecting. And I guess I would start by saying that most recently as an operator, as a people and culture leader, I have gotten through a number of different organizations now. And so I know that the policies may evolve, the playbooks may shift, the work that um, was done is, is for a season. It isn't forever. But the things that you can't sort of undo or take away is the impact that you have on the people that you lead or that you work alongside. And so I think those trees that I'm hopefully planning are people. And one of my most proudest moments is the ritual team I was a part of, which is a, a series B startup I joined. And those humans, those wonderful people that were part of the people operations team there have gone on to lead and be amazing leaders at other organizations. And I will not take credit in any way for for their work, but I feel like I was a part of helping them on their journey or a part of being a mentor, an advocate, an an ally to them. And and that to me is so wonderful, rewarding personally, but I I hope that they then go on to to be, again, more great leaders and do the same for others and really help plant more trees or or more, more people's careers and that sort of... That's how I would respond to that one. Yeah, that's a great answer. It's a tough question, but hopefully people, like you say, Robin, that aren't on this podcast, uh, you know, they'll reflect on that a little bit themselves and and see what they're doing for society and to help others out that, again, you might not see the benefit, but others will. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're wrapping up this episode and we've got some things to to do because I'm sure people are going to want to reach out, Lorena. But I just wanted to thank Joanna again for an introduction because it just proves to me, we're talking about people here, really good people know other really good people. So I do really, really appreciate the introduction. And, you know, this is our second time chatting now, Lorraine, and I'm so glad you're in our network now. And, you know, you talked about developing relationships and that's certainly something that I love. And I know Al does too, and we love conversations. So I want to thank you for you know joining us today and sharing your journey What's the best way for people to reach out if they have questions about yourself or, you know, what you're doing in your career? LinkedIn is a, a great place to start. I would suggest that I'm, uh, actually I have to look at my, at my, I don't know if I'm Lorena or Lorena Pacheco Scott. You are, you're I... Lorena. Yes, Lorena Scott on LinkedIn. Lorena Scott on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, that's a good spot, right? Yes. I so appreciate being able to, to share my story and my journey and kind of bring more to life than what's on LinkedIn. And I'm a big fan of, of paying it forward and helping others because I've received so much help in my career. So happy to be helpful in any way. Well, as you said, as you said, it's about the people. So that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one.